0: The topic of my uh, my talk, I'd like to uh, add a uh, a subtitle uh, to it um, with which re- uh, is respect to the uh, the fact that CARTA seeks to uh, engage the various factors that are part of an uh, an evolutionary explanation of uh, human existence on uh, on Earth, and the ways in which uh, human beings and climate are, are wrapped up with one another. I think is a is a very interesting and important thing to think about because environment and the environmental conditions of human evolution uh, set the, uh, the context for natural selection, for uh, population separation and speciation, and also for extinction, which of course is part of the whole matter of why Homo sapiens is the last biped standing. The uh, traditional idea that has uh, been a focus uh, of the environmental history or of our vi- environmental context of human evolution that has lasted for, for many, many uh, decades is what we may call the savanna hypothesis of human evolution that proto-humans six million years ago or more were uh, set out onto a, a, a savanna grassland. And in this context, in this very basic setting of the stage of human evolution environmentally, a cascade of all things human, uh, ranging from um, fundamental traits about how human beings uh, get their food, uh, how we gather the energy to uh, support our hungry brains, uh, and how we evolved the capacity for culture that uh, is very much oriented toward the human transactions with our surroundings uh, today. Um, This is an idea where the environment doesn't really play a major role because there's just basically a setting of the stage and what you get this cascade from is one adaptation setting the stage for the emergence of of another. But we have learned a lot in the environmental sciences over the past uh, decades. This is an iconic slide or an iconic uh, data set with regard to the last uh, 10 million years. Uh, with 10 million years over here, present uh, over on the um, uh, left side. And uh, this is uh, based on study of, uh, of oxygen isotopes, two forms of oxygen, oxygen 16 and 18, in uh, microorganisms foraminifera that live on the bottom of the ocean floor and collected in deep-sea cores. And what you can see from this is the, uh, that there has been an overall trend toward a, uh, a cooling uh, planet, but a lot of uh, research recently has focused on the, uh, the nature of the variability. Uh, before 6 million years ago, and this can be traced back to 70 million years ago, these kind of data, um, you have um, relatively low-lying um, variability. And after 6 million years ago, you have a, ra- a ramping up of the amplitude of, uh, of fluctuation. Um, since 3 million years ago, there has been an intensification of uh, glacial fluctuations. And the genus Homo evolved during the strongest fluctuations with the species Homo sapiens, associated with uh, even uh, the, the most strongest uh, in this timeline of uh, ocean uh, temperature and, uh, and glacial ice on, on land. Um, at the same time, we have learned a great deal more in the last um, decade about African, about tropical African uh, climate, uh, this is one of my favorite records, which is the Sapropel uh, record, whereby the, uh, the dark and light bands, uh, the dark bands are organic rich extrusions from the Nile catchment uh, into the Mediterranean Sea, and the light bands are relatively dry periods. and one can see this back and forth of tropical climate variability, not between glacial ice, not between warm and cold so much, but uh, between wet and, uh, and dry. And one can see, then, that these, these dark and light bands are bundled uh, into periods of stability and, uh, and instability uh, over, uh, over time. And, of course, the Sapropel record uh, related to the Nile catchment basically captures as a record of uh, climate uh, that records from the northeast quadrant of the African continent and, therefore, is particularly relevant to things going on in eastern Africa. And uh, this dark uh, dark light uh, banding can be uh, captured in spectral reflectance of the dark and light bands, with the light being strong aridity and the dark higher moisture. And this is a record from the last 3 million years ago. And it uh, shows um, the nature of this uh, variability, but the fact also that it's patterned into these uh, high and low Uh, climate variability intervals, and I've just outlined uh, two of those examples from this particular data set, this particular SAPROPEL record from the eastern Mediterranean. Now, we've learned a lot also about the causes of this, the tempo of uh, dry, wet uh, seasonality and dry, wet um, uh, expression of climate over um, uh, many, many years is uh, the result of what's called orbital precession, the, uh, related to the wobble of the Earth's axis of rotation. And that is modulated. It's affected by eccentricity, by the, uh, the path, the shape of the, uh, the Earth's orbit around the sun, from more circular to more elliptical or oval shaped. And during times of high eccentricity, there is a raising of the amplitude of wet-dry variability. And it's been pointed out by quite a number of uh, researchers over the years that the interaction between the uh, two time scales of orbital precession and the two periods of eccentricity uh, results in a predicted sequence of high and low climate variability. And you can see that represented through time, from about this, in this case, plotted from about 1.8 million years ago to the present. And you can see that the time period of of greatest interest to, to us in this particular symposium. Uh, involved a uh, quite a prolonged time period of uh, high climate variability. Uh, it also, through mathematical modeling, we can establish uh, the boundaries between uh, a predictive framework uh, and the boundaries between high and low climate variability. And so, uh, for the uh, for the first time, let me show you then for the time period uh, related to uh, this symposium, um, the um, the alternation of high and low climate variability with the high defined by periods of high eccentricity. This is um, the low boundary. The difference between low and high is that uh, amount of eccentricity, which is uh, one standard deviation below the average eccentricity for the last 5 million years. Uh, these are the intervals of times and thousands of years ago, so thirty eight to forty eight thousand years ago is what i 've taken this up to and i 've given a slightly broader context back to six hundred and thirty eight six hundred and forty thousand years ago for looking at this particular uh, series of, um, of of dates for predicted high and low and we see that uh, these are the durations of these particular um, uh, time periods of fluctuation of of change from relatively stable climate to instable climate with high degree of fluctuation between wet and dry for uh, eastern africa and this is i put this bar here Uh, related to the last uh, 400,000 years ago. And one of the things that really pops out is this very prolonged period, 306,000 years in duration predicted for high climate variability starting about 356,000 years ago and ending about 50,000 years ago. And this encompasses the entire time, nearly the entire time period of what we're talking about here in this symposium, and certainly the entire time period of the development of human innovation as expressed through the Middle Stone Age, which you'll hear about later, the origin of our species, the beginning of the dispersal of Homo sapiens out of Africa. Now, there are relatively few good empirical records, other than sapropels and the dust record and and blown out into the uh, the deep sea, uh, that that really tells us about what's going on in Africa during this time period. The best one that's continuous, drawn from a core from Lake, Lake Malawi, and what has been published so far is a 150,000-year record of dry-wet fluctuation based on a variety of lines of evidence. And this has been called evidence for mega droughts. Uh, time, which is maybe a little hard to see over here, it goes from about 150,000 years ago to the present. And what I've done here is outline the time periods of what the authors have called the mega drought periods. It's a bit of a misnomer in that what it hides is the fact that this time period actually involves a tremendous amount of fluctuation in Lake Malawi uh, level. Uh, Lake Malawi today has a, has a depth, a water depth of about 706 meters below uh, the, the surface. Um, and there are times in the past during these mega droughts when it went to about 120, 125 meters uh, depth. Uh, but even within these mega drought periods, such as this prolonged one here, there's considerable fluctuation in um, moisture and, uh, and drought. Uh, another uh, excellent synthesis that exists so far for the last 150,000 years ago comes from an article in Journal of Human Evolution by uh, Blohm et al., and uh, it synthesizes data from around the African continent, relatively little from eastern, Afri- eastern Africa, but nonetheless on the basis of this, um, shows a variety of uh, back and forth between wet and dry, Uh, from 150,000 years ago to about uh, 30,000 years ago. And two important points here that are um, in line with this predictive framework of high and low climate variability is that there is stronger variability prior to 50,000 years ago uh, than there is afterwards. Um, Some of these places also have different histories of climate variability. Notice the differences between, for example, South Africa and, and North Africa. And so what I've done here is to um, indicate, for the last five million years, based on this predictive framework, uh, the eight longest intervals of predicted high-climate variability. Here's the one that I just introduced, the one between 50 and 356,000 years ago with a duration of 306,000 years. What occurs is that the entire Middle Stone Age unfolds, at least in Eastern Africa, During that time period, Homo sapiens evolves and the global dispersal begins. But I wondered in these other prolonged high climate variability intervals, what else happens in human evolutionary history? This is what we see in terms of some of the major first and last appearances based on the fossil record right now. So this is likely to change in a number of years as new fossils and archaeological remains are are found. But what we have at this stage is that the origin of every major genus in our uh, evolutionary tree, Australopithecus, Homo, and Paranthropus, happen to, at this point, fall in a prolonged high-climate variability interval, and that the origin of every single major technological suite of behaviors, the Oldowan, the Acheulean, and the Middle Stone Age, also occur in these time periods of uh, high-climate variability. This suggests that one of the hallmark features of our evolutionary history including the emergence of homo sapiens and probably related to the extinction of other forms is this matter of adaptability and the big question in front of us then is how does adaptability evolve and emerge over time by adaptability i mean this and this is not just in relation to humans but any organism the ability of an organism to endure change in its, uh, in its habitat where it happens to live at any given point over time Uh, and space, uh, to be able to thrive in new places and novel environments, uh, to spread to new habitats, and to respond in new ways to the surroundings. And, of course, these are characteristics which some people would say that Homo sapiens, that's really the hallmark of our species in terms of our environmental uh, interactions. Well, where we have been uh, investigating this kind of um, matter of adaptability and evolutionary change uh, for the most prolonged time in my career, the last 28 years, is in the site, uh, the basin of Elorgesaili. It's in the south rift of, uh, of, of Kenya. You can see this beautiful layering of, of, of layers and environmental change over the last 1.2 million years. The most precisely dated sequence of archaeological and fossil um, uh, fauna and environmental change over the last 1.2 million years. And uh, what we see in very summary form is that between 1.2 and 500,000 years ago, we have a Acheulean hand as a suite of behaviors that resulted in the repetitive production over such a prolonged period of time of, uh, of hand axe technology. These large cutting tools, these scales here are centimeter scales. And by this time period, and we're investigating this right now and beginning to write articles on this, uh, work with uh, my colleague Allison Brooks, uh, our colleagues uh, Kay Bernsmeyer, Alan Dano, are beginning to put together papers on this. But by this time period, we have Middle Stone Age innovations. The Acheulean is no longer around, and you have the beginning of human innovation uh, back this far in time. And that includes smaller, more mobile technologies, and the ability to make tools through preparation of the core and new techniques, the ability to repetitively produce these small triangular-shaped things, which may be projectile points, and the, even the accumulation on certain sites of coloring material, black and red coloring material. We also see during this time period um, the a total turnover in the fauna of the southern Kenya rift where the large-bodied grazing animals, the animals of the savanna, um, become extinct, and they're replaced by their modern representatives of hippos and elephants and and zebras and baboons and pigs um, that are far more flexible and and adaptable in their um, ability to change diet, change demographically in their group size, uh, and so on. And so this can be added, then, our work in the southern Kenya Rift to this iconic diagram Uh, that was uh, first uh, produced, and has been reproduced by many times, but drawing on the work of Sally McBrarity and Alison Brooks uh, in a a very important paper from the year 2000. I've added a few things here as well. And uh, what's interesting in this time period from uh, 280,000 years ago to 20,000 years ago, you see these innovations in the Middle Stone Age, so different from uh, what was occurring in the Acheulean and the repetitive behaviors that were occurring. And what's exciting about our work in the South Rift is the possibility of exgen- extending some of these things back before 300, 310,000 uh, years ago. What these represent, then, is the emergence of a smaller, more mobile technology, increasing innovation, wider social networks, possibly including exchange for the first time uh, with, uh, with distant groups, and complex the development of complex symbolic activity. These represent ways of cognitively, socially, and technologically buffering um, the the vicissitudes of the surroundings, including the social surroundings. And I think that the context of high climate variability after periods of low climate variability uh, makes sense of this emergence of the ability to to buffer uh, behaviorally and culturally. What's going on and what's the future of this? Just to conclude. Um, we obtained for the first time, from any early human site uh, in Africa, a long drill core um, from, uh, from Alor Gisaili. Uh, this was quite an undertaking, but here's the drilling project. And ending just last uh, week, last Friday, uh, was our sampling, a uh, core sampling party where we got a chance to split the core. An international group of scientists, 22 scientists, came to uh, study, begin study of the core. And this is the first public showing of what that core looks like, one small bit of it split. This is quite representative. Um, these are, there are 68 tephra layers of volcanic layers that are uh, amenable to dating. Uh, Through uh, this time period, we think that 206 uh, meters of sediment, 216 meters of sediment, represents the past 500,000 years in utter detail, including these varve like deposits, which we think represent seasonal variation in rainfall, and how then we will be able to test how those seasonality uh, changes in seasonality are grouped into longer periods of higher and lower climate variability. And so we think that this is the the future work that will make this whole project of the climate conditions of the emergence of Homo sapiens an ongoing and important area of study. Thanks very much.